Hey guys, Riley here. Episode 21 is upon us, and I will say right off the bat that Adam isn't on this episode. He was sick all week with uh, something. I don't really know. He and I aren't really the sort of friends where we ask, like, hey, how are you doing? Are you sick? What are you sick with? Are you coming to the podcast recording today? But he was sick. He, he will be back for the next one, uh, which is also an exciting episode. But this week is just me versus Tiger Wing. And you will see it is very adversarial the way that we talk, mostly about Ableton. It's a little bit of inside baseball about production, how, uh, you know, trying to get the Skrillex sound, trying to get, uh, figuring out how EDM people do their things and applying it to your own stuff. Um, really interesting to talk to her because. As you're about to hear, her music is just, it's its like a sound design dream wrapped up in a little, in a little pop, uh, electro pop bow, I guess. It's a, a lot of interesting sounds going on, a lot of stuff that you wouldn't expect coming from music that at its core has a very sort of uh, familiar structure to it. And, and so we talk about that, it, her... The way she writes is really interesting, and we go into that a little bit. And um, so we talk about Make the Rabbits Run, which was her album from last year, and she also has an EP dropping today, Friday, called Black Light, White Lies, I believe. And it is, I've listened to it, I'm gonna put one of the tracks from that at the end. Uh, the first track will be from Make the Rabbits Run, because uh, it is just, uh, it's cool. You can see like a clear evolution of the artist. One thing about Tiger Wing, and we get into this, is it's not just, she's not just doing music. She also does all of her own music videos. She does, she writes, produces, mixes, masters, just about everything uh, that she puts out in whatever medium it is. And so uh, it's interesting to talk to someone who's uh, persona is like a concept in and of itself and how to, how, how, how you keep that going in different mediums and how those mediums will influence each other and that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was just like a really fun conversation. It was over Skype. And, uh, so we just sort of, you'll hear the conversation just sort of picks up midway through introducing uh, one another uh, or like making introductions, I guess. And it's a, it's, it's just a real, a real fun episode. Uh, I hope you like it. Uh, I really did. It, it was really exciting to get someone who I, I, I really like listening to on the podcast, which of course we've done many times before, but it never ceases to be fun for me. Uh, anyways, episode 21, dawn of a new day. Next 20 episodes are going to be the best things you've ever put in your ears. And we're going to start off with Tiger Wing. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. But it always turns out like this 
uh, and so uh, like, are you working on new stuff now? What's your? Uh, yeah, I um, saw I saw the single the other, the 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 music video was actually it was like holy smokes. Do you think she would be on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, the the music video is probably a good indicator of where I'm currently at because I'm actually in Windsor. Um, doing a two-year film master's program. So that video is kind of like, um, it's currently what I'm working on for the next year, uh, like 3D rendering videos. And I'm really trying to merge it with like the Tiger Wing project. Oh, no way. Um, So basically like the long-term goal, like over the next year is working on my thesis, but it's also the next like full-length album. Um, so I'm like really trying to like kill two birds with one stone almost (laughs) luckily I can so um but yeah so that's the like long-term project but um as far as new music goes I'm here in Edmonton putting out an EP on Friday I guess and um I have three new tracks on that and three um three other remixes that some friends here in Alberta have done oh yeah Um, So that's really exciting. It's like kind of um, a very collaborative project in like all senses. And I, I don't get to do that too often. Um, But like, I really love everybody that's involved. And I'm just like excited for that to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. What's that like? uh, Because I've seen I like once in a while, I'll, I'll be asked to do a remix of something or like someone will do remix of my work. And it's always I, I've never been anything but puzzled by the stuff that people try to transform my things into. Is it like <laughs> a remix? Do you give them some examples or like, do you just say have full reign? <laughs> now I want to hear what, what you've been turned into. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I'm pretty, um, not, not cautious. That's not the word, but like skeptical, I don't know, um, of like collaborations, but, uh, I usually like have no problem if I know the people and I've like known everybody involved for years and like I feel like anything they touch turns to gold so like I'm happy to just like send them some stems and let them work their magic so yeah as long as I can like I've heard stuff by the artist before like I'm more than happy to do that but oh, yeah, yeah. you get a lot of randoms too just like <laughs> yo girl hit me up with stems I'm like who are you <laughs> no no <laughs> you really definitely not yeah and are the emails like that short do you get hit up on like different <laughs> social media networks I saw an yeah. artist who like yeah. uh, so it, she she's talking to me he goes uh, she just said like all these guys keep trying to slide into my dms and I had oh no God. idea what that meant but like they would just hit her up for stems on Instagram. It's yeah. like that doesn't seem like the appropriate medium. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things that aren't appropriate that happen, I guess, when you're like, I don't know, especially like a female musician. Yeah. Um, I guess I haven't been too bad. I get a lot of weird um random like PR emails too and just like they like it's so weird. They like spell your name wrong and <laughs> It's like they clearly haven't even done enough research, but they're just like, you know, trying to get you to like buy their services. Yeah. Yeah. For them, it's got to be like a numbers game, like uh, those Nigerian uh, money scams. Like if we can get one person of the 10,000 to respond. Yeah. We've paid for ourselves. That's what it feels like. Yeah. (laughs) But that's also what it feels like being asked uh, by randoms for like, yeah, for some tracks. (laughs) So (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) 
Um, I guess this is probably a good time to jump into it. I would love, can you give uh, a brief description of how and why you started Tiger Wing? Because it seems like it's something that sort of is across multiple disciplines and that music is only one part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I guess like I've been making music and art like forever. Um, My parents have been like very supportive and just like, throwing me in whatever uh, the hot like music lesson of the year was. So (laughs) I had like the opportunity to, you know, go through a guitar phase and like go through piano phases and vocal lessons and stuff. Oh, wow. The phone's going off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool ringtone mom. (laughs) Um, Anyways. Yeah. So I don't know. I've been making music forever. Um, I went to a fine arts program and I guess I kind of started hanging out in more like cool underground electronic scenes here in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that was also around the time when like Grimes was getting really popular and uh, everyone was like very invested in like a bedroom producer culture and like oh, yeah. basement raves. And I was like, oh, I want in on this, like screw that guitar. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it started. And then also... Um, yeah, like I said, like the Edmonton electronic scene, um, there was like a really fun house called the Rude House. Um, and they would throw just like really fun, small, intimate basement raves and get like a lot of really great DJs in. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just started meeting people that like kind of inspired me to just work with uh like Ableton and like make electronic music and then I don't know just it took off from there I guess that's pretty cool yeah that's one of the things that I've always been happy about that I gave up I used to be classically trained on the flute and then one day I just picked up yeah yeah everybody seems to have a similar reaction to that uh and then <laughs> it was it was in an effort to preserve my virginity as long as possible Aww. and I succeeded uh and um it was uh but then switching over from that to production and then everybody else who was in like uh, you know, we're that one post-rock band that uh, everybody in high school loves and now they need somebody to record, but they don't know how to work any of yeah. their inputs or anything like that. And yeah. they're all coming to you and you have to say no because they're not offering you any money, but it's still nice <laughs> to be considered and sort of like, uh, what is it? Um, proven right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's I vindictive, but it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like too bad they weren't offering you any money. <laughs> don't know where they thought they were going with that. But yeah, that's cool. Like, continue. What are you? Oh, uh, so yeah. It, like, how long have you? How long? What's your production style like? Has it evolved over time? Like, what? How? Where did you start off? Um, I know when I first started doing things, it was like ambient, and then it turned into mm-hmm. hip hop, and then it, it's just all over the place now. But what? What was your like evolution <laughs> up into, and then now into Tiger Wing? Oh man, I I'm not sure what I was trying to do for that first bit. Like, it just sounded very odd very odd stuff very like experimental and um like really frustrating but also rewarding as far as like the actual production and mixing of things goes like Mm -hmm. I just could never figure out like why it sounded so bad like I just like I'm not not saying I'm even like where I want to be obviously with production but like it's uh yeah for the first bit I was just like really not understanding how to mix things and everything sounded like a wall of noise and Mm -hmm. um i don't know that's the fun part of like learning any 
tool, I guess, any media. Everybody's got to go through that phase. Yeah, it's like, you know, a little embarrassing, but no one has to hear the very first like crop of tracks. Yeah, you do your first EP and that's just for yourself. And then the second one, you learn what EQ (laughs) is and then you're off to the races. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, And like, it's I don't know, it's funny, like those things still pop up where it's like, oh, you don't know what this is. And um, it's it happened a lot this year, thankfully, Um, like I'm uh, going to the University of Windsor and also working as like um, like a teacher assistant, too. So I did a lot of um, like I assisted a lot of uh, sound classes this semester and like. I feel like that actually influenced it a lot. There were a lot of students that were like, um, you know, like some pretty cool DJs and like showing me like their workflow. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it actually really helps seeing other people's um, styles and how they work. And then you can apply that to your own, uh, your own production. So I feel like I learned a lot this year, even just from teaching others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, what what are what are those sound classes like, and what like what what is the curriculum like? Um, I mean, it's all totally well. Most of the time, it's in the hands of the instructor. Um, so the guy teaching it, he's actually was like a music professor and like a really great composer. Um, so he brought a lot to the table um, as far as like uh, the technique and like the art of composition goes. Um, but basically. We got them all using Ableton and um, kind of just working with the presets. Um, they would have like assignments, just like learning different kinds of synths and. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, the projects were all in the end like pretty open, but yeah, you get like a few that are just like bleeps and bloops. Um, a lot of ambient and ethereal stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course, but. Your assignment this week is to just fuck around with operator. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's, I mean, it's necessary, right? Everyone has to fuck around with operator. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's really laid out for like sort of your first synthesizer, and you can get to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot too. Teaching is one way to actually learn so much. And what would like? What would be one thing that you brought in from more DJing culture into your own workflow since then? Hmm. I, I feel like if anything, um, (laughs) I don't know if this will sound lame. I probably don't care actually, but like, (laughs) I'm just like kind of obsessed with Skrillex lately (laughs) and like, uh, really trying to figure out like, what is like the art of the drop? (laughs) Um, so, (laughs) so I'm really like kind of going over like every synth and every new track with like a fine tooth comb and just like, um, applying a lot of like really detailed filter work. Oh yeah, like uh, just like really trying to groom things um, so that they have that shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's like so much DJ culture. It's just like good production, but yeah. No, I love. Uh, I find myself taking tutorials and like lessons all the time online of just production styles that I would never ever myself want to do. But like everything I learned about kick drum processing, I learned from watching an EDM tutorial and I didn't think I'd get anything out of it. But then when you go back and think about it, an EDM is something that sounds big and massive, even if you're playing it on your phone. And there's got to be a reason for that. I know. Exactly. It's like so seductive. And I just feel like I don't even want to move ahead until I sound like (laughs) I want to be Skrillex. (laughs) 
<laughs> and everything has like that really, really nice sort of like high tech sheen over top mm-hmm. of it. Like it all, everything just it glides through so so smoothly. Exactly. Yeah. So I I think another part of that is also like. Um, uh, I've been like grouping, like I want the drums to sound like the way Skrillex makes drums sound. <laughs> um, so just even like grouping things uh, like in your session so that like, I don't know, you can just like really separate things and like carve out stereo space yeah. very intentionally. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's just It's just a whole other level. Of the yeah. Trade. Yeah. It's one of those things that uh, when I go and I produce people and they're, they're just like people who love, you know, playing their guitars or playing, playing yeah. whatever it is that they play and they'll get it to a certain level, you know, like they get it to like 80 percent and then they bring someone in to sort of like engineer and produce it. And they mm-hmm. like they just have no idea. Like it's it's so many little tiny tricks that are so annoying to learn and it's so like sort of not conducive to creativity. But yeah. it's that editing stage that uh, you can go through and be like, oh, OK, so the kicks are a little bit phased. Let's bring them back in together or let's uh, let's make sure these subharmonics aren't interfering with anything that's going on everywhere else. And it's just mm-hmm. all these tiny little things that, uh, you know, you put enough of them together and you do end up sounding like Skrillex. You do end up having like this <laughs> really, really nice sheen to everything that yeah. just didn't exist before. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, And like what you said, too, like getting someone else in there. I feel like that's a necessary process like that a lot of people are hesitant to do like just getting that like external ear yeah almost and how does that how does that work for you because tiger wing is just you and you do i'm assuming you do mixing you do you produce it you're you're doing all the visuals for all your uh music videos like how Mm -hmm. what's it like for something so personal to, to start like What's that step like for you revealing it to somebody else? Is it nerve wracking? No, definitely not nerve wracking. If anything, it's like uh, the reason I wouldn't show someone is because I'm like, no, I have a deadline and you'll tell me like things I want to fix. So (laughs) (laughs) that's why I purposely wouldn't, which is like not good. I have to stop doing that. But um, yeah, as far as like getting criticism goes, I mean, um, I feel like I've just been in like art programs and like critical programs for so long where like you're at each other's throats oh yeah yeah, the smallest details so it's like it's definitely welcomed yeah um yeah and i appreciate like the friends that i send shit to to get the quality checks like they're always (laughs) very like on point so i've had friends in architecture and i've sat in in some of their crit days and they people are just vicious with each other Mm mm-hmm and like I get, yeah. some of it is warranted, but like some of it is just like, <laughs> did this person wrong you at some point? And is this how you're taking it out? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I get like a little irritated when they're not um, high, pe- like high energy and fast paced, though. Like I've been through some lately and it's just like, come on, like, <laughs> saying anything like, like Bueller. Like, <laughs> like I, I like when people are almost fighting to get a word in and everyone's like over caffeinated and stuff. Yeah. As opposed to like, this is good, but I feel like it could be a little bit more good. I don't know. <laughs> Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's just my two cents. I don't want to, I don't want to derail this. Thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. The uh, worst things you can say, if you're ever asked to criticize something, that's just me. It oh just means God. everything you've said is useless. Yeah. <laughs> I have no, totally. I have no idea if this is objective. It's just uh, 
You know, I just hate the yeah. sound of pianos and, and, and vocals. I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's no use to anyone. But um, I know you've got an EP. Would you rather talk about Make the Rabbits Run, which is the thing that I've sort of been taking notes on? Or did you want to talk about uh, what the making of this new EP was like? Because, uh, I mean, everything that you've put out, I've just kind of been blown away with. So anything oh, that you'd thanks. like to, yeah. Um, do you have questions about the last album? I feel like I could like segue into both. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, let's start off with the... I'm always intrigued by people who put intros on their albums. Yeah. And I've never, like, I've never, there have been so many good ones and so many bad ones that I've never, I'm never sure uh, if I, if I think like the idea is superfluous, but I, it, with yours, you're, you definitely tell people if you're not on board with this, like if you're not on board with the intro song, just, <laughs> just get out now. Cause you're not going to be ha- going to be able to handle what's coming up next. And I, I just want to get yeah. into your head a little bit. What was what 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 what's the deal with intro songs <laughs> i'm i'm not sure i don't even know if i come across it too often um i think i almost like them they're like this thorn like in the side or like at the very beginning of the album and it's like um as much as i want to be some sort of pop artist and like really follow certain conventions i'm also like so bored of the convention of like the full length album and like um I don't know I think like a weird intro can be like kind of bold and also just like um I don't know I feel like it can like cushion the album nicely (laughs) or like you said kind of just like uh give like a warning like shoot off some warning signs or something yeah, because yours, uh, um, you, the production on this album, uh, the the things you do with your voice on this album are incredible, and it's straight from the get go, straight from the intro, where you just you've got these weird, almost like those minor fourth uh, mm-hmm. demonic harmonies going on, <laughs> like the those harmonies that were so cruel the church yeah. outlawed them for centuries. And yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know why I can't stop doing that. <laughs> like I don't even think about it. Uh, whatever. But yeah. um, I feel like like. There are there are there are precious few moments, and they shine like jewels in the mosaic of this uh, album. And now I'll try and refrain from saying anything like that. Uh, where where you're like, just sort of almost your your natural voice shines through for a second, and then it sort of gets sort of recontextualized, recapitulated, mm-hmm. things like that. I feel like a lot of people when they knew going into making an EP or an LP or anything and had your voice, they'd just be like, great, I'm golden. I'm not going to touch <laughs> this at all. What, when did you start? What, what, what thrust you to push that forward or, you know, go beyond the veil and just completely messing with your vocals? Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is uh, kind of just being like a kid in a candy store. Like, look what I can do with all of this. Um, <laughs> And, like, another part of it is really I, just even being obsessed with, like, what you can do to a vocal sample, like, the ways you can sculpt it and um, just, like, kind of paint different textures or just, like, paint a whole different picture with it. And um, maybe the third part is um, kind of wanting everything to be bigger than just me, um, at least with that album, Um, And if I were to segue into talking about this new EP, I would say um, I feel like the vocals are much more pared down. Mm -hmm. I think there's like way fewer moments where everything gets kind of like 
um, hidden and buried under the other pitched samples. So I feel like, yeah, that album, Make the Rabbits Run, I was like really uh, <laughs> just like seeing how big or how dramatic or, yeah, how, I don't know, how uh, much bigger I could make things. Than- yeah. And it's it, it's it's sort of a theme that runs through a lot of Make the Rabbits Run. We're We're in like a lot of these songs, it feels like there's a core of sort of a drum machine in some mm-hmm. sense. But then there's like this wicked sound design that's sort of laughing at the heels of every single song. And just <laughs> how, what, what's your writing process like? Like, how do you start off a song? I feel like um, I'm constantly collecting like fragments as far as lyrics go. Um, I don't think there's like a... I don't think anything comes first, really. Um, I usually write things, like, in arrangement view, so, like, I can, you know, like, see everything. Um, I'm not sure, like, what the <laughs> process would be, I guess. It's, uh, I I think I, I have, like, a USB mic always sitting by the computer, and um, a lot of the times I'll just do some, like like non like saying lyrics that aren't real lyrics too and then i can almost like hear what i want the lyrics to be in it oh yeah that sounds so like weird and abstract but yeah i don't know i don't think there's much of a um set process everything happens pretty organically for better or for worse i I think uh both brian eno and kurt cobain have said that that's how they write (laughs) lyrics is they find sort of like a little melody first and then uh so you're you're joining a good pantheon but um (laughs) um is there like i guess uh, the thing with the beatles was uh john wrote lyrics first uh what's his face wings paul uh <laughs> wrote melodies first like what uh, when you're collecting vocal snips are you collecting the melodies from them and trying to bring them together or just sort of semblances of ideas and bring those together like what's your um i think it's shifting i'm trying to be way more like melodically minded and um really trying to like go straight for the hook before i even start writing a song like i'm trying to shift the process into more of a like intentional process I feel like things like would easily get away from me like even last year just like making songs like uh like I would make something and then just realize there's like not a hook to be found <laughs> like I don't know just like couldn't do anything with it and then I was like oh I should have should have started this whole thing off better <laughs> so I think I'm trying uh trying to restructure the creative process a bit more lately I think that happened with that uh, new EP on Friday, too. I definitely put a bit more intention behind it, I think. Oh, yeah. Which, actually, this will be going up on Friday. So it'll be today for people listening. This will be the day oh, to go out good. and yeah, yeah, pick it up. Um, it, that's that's cool. It, it, what's your... Um, uh, what's it, Since you've got me on the subject of Ableton, and I can talk about that for hours and hours and hours... And, <laughs> Uh, don't even get me started on Isotope because mm. that'll be a whole other discussion. Okay. But <laughs> have you tried out the new vocal synth? No. Their new, uh, it's basically every video that I've seen posted on YouTube from people reviewing it has just been them being like, look at how easy it is to be Daft Punk now. And then they go, mm. doing it right. Everybody will be doing it right. Because you can, like, you can do like a talk box or a vocoder or something like that. And it's like super duper easy. They've programmed in all the best presets from Discovery. 
That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably like, I feel like I'm always really behind on things too. Like maybe in two years I'll like discover that and be like, oh, this is what you were talking about. <laughs> Just like, that's not on my uh, radar right now. <laughs> Sounding like Daft Punk. Well, they've got like a formant shifter built right into it, which I find very handy. And maybe that'll be something that... And actually, you can use it live on stage, which would be kind of cool. Um, <laughs> that would be fun. But uh, yeah, like when does... I guess maybe a better question is, how much of when you're writing a song, are you working on sort of the sound design aspect of it? And how much of it is you trying to be like, okay, these are the chords I need. This is sort of the layout of it. Cause I feel like with at least make the rabbits run a lot of the, a lot of these songs have both an equal measure. Like there are crazy songs that wouldn't sound out of place uh, or crazy sounds that wouldn't sound out of place on like an Arca record. And then mm-hmm. there's also just like a sort of uh, a nice uh, four chords thing going on as well. Yeah. Um, I think the sound design process and the writing process were a little like muddled up together um, in the past. And that's another thing I'm trying to be more disciplined about. Like I really (laughs) need to actually work on having like a full song before I go in and start like really like teasing out those details and doing any sort of sound design or mixing. Like I'm, yeah, trying to have like, the rough product before I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just would find myself getting like caught before with like before separating them. I would find myself like just like having such a mess to go back in and clean up. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I, I'm similar in some ways in that I've got like a hundred different Ableton, like uh, I think it's like .als files that yeah, I'll never oh open gosh. up again. And it's just like I had this one great idea for like how a synth should sound, but then I did nothing with it at all. Yeah, those like unopened files scare me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I probably don't need them. I can probably get rid of them, but I just like hold on to them for some reason. Every once in a while, I don't know how you feel about these, but I'll go through and I'll just be like, like one out of every 10 or 15 i'll be like oh this has a good idea and the other ones were just like uh what were you thinking there (laughs) oh god i know (laughs) just like looking in that rack like did like like it looks like a cat was just like clicking every like button possible (laughs) it doesn't look like a human was like trying to make music at all or like anything before like Anything that you made two or more years ago, it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. no, no. I wish I could go back <laughs> in time. What were you thinking? And then I catch myself like, it's like an hour later and I'm like fixing it. Like, why? <laughs> just to see if it can sound better. It's usually a lost cause. It sounds better. So now you can put it to rest knowing that you yeah. did it with like proper compression. <laughs> How does approaching this album, like, uh, Make the Rabbits Run and approaching sort of your general aesthetic and uh, things like that? Because I don't think, I feel like with Tiger Wing, you're probably putting things out there very specifically because it's more than just music. And how does that affect the way that you write things? Are you always writing with sort of a concept in mind? Are, are, are you writing with sort of knowing that this is going to be just a piece out of a larger picture? Let's see, the concept in mind. Well, I think uh, I used to have very grand concepts in mind when, like, writing things. Um, And it was just kind of, like, like, especially with the lyrics, they were, like, a bit more poetic. Everything was a bit more, like, abstract. And um, I don't know, I'm just, like, 
even then I wanted to like really be in more of the realm of pop um, but wasn't doing it with like those kinds of song structures and those lyrics so I think that's changing a bit now I'm like uh, if there were to be like an overarching overarching concept it's more just like what are the most like uh, like hard-hitting lyrics that feel like intimate to a lot of people like I don't know so I'm trying to like actually just like explore more of like how I can do pop but still keep that aesthetic and like the weird I don't know the weirdness that comes with the whole Tiger Wing project (laughs) that's interesting because I feel like most people would say like uh, Tiger Wing does something that no one else could because it's it's sort of impenetrable but you're saying (laughs) you're 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 trying to steer that ship back to how can I incorporate more pop elements into it Mm -hmm. where am I going with this like the the lyrics and just like the idea of trying to make something more like communicative to more people um I feel like it still has like the same essence of the like feelings of the songs before and the lyrics, but um, maybe just trying to like simplify what I'm actually saying. I don't know. And like, especially, <laughs> especially that uh, latest music video, it's like just the same feelings that are in every like song about heartbreak, just like so lonely, so isolated. Like, even though the video is like weird as fuck, it's like, it's still com- trying to communicate those things like by me just being this lonely alien, like dancing in space, like crying about like heartbreak. When in fact you are trapped in a corrupted Pixar uh, hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, good concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woody, no. Um, yeah. But uh, is that something that you do? We've had people on here and uh, who have talked about sort of they they write uh, and I mean, they say it to various cringeworthy degrees, but they they say they they write they uh, they write lyrics as as if they were films going on in their head, or they say that they write things with sort of the visuals in mind. You are actually someone who is you've got expertise in sort of the visual realm, doing yeah. doing your music videos and things like that. Is that something that is that a cross pollination when you're writing songs? Are you looking at this and saying like these visuals will go with this song or something like that? Yeah, it's not an active thing in my head. I think. It almost just happens, like, simultaneously. Um, yeah, and I think that just goes back to, like, the more organic process. Like, um, I think at this point I've been trying to merge the two for so long that they're starting to hopefully operate, like, as one beast. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I'm mostly trying to focus on, like, the music and production side of things, too. Like, I never want to let the visuals control the, what could the what the music could be um what i mean a lot of these songs on here all seem to have uh at least on make the rapids run obviously i'll have to wait till friday to hear uh what's mm-hmm. the what's the new ep called it's called um let me get this right uh <laughs> black black light white lies all right yes like black light slash white lies oh okay <laughs> so trendy <laughs> <laughs> For that one, is it going to be, are you releasing it physically or are you sticking to uh, digital? Um, Digital this time around. It was actually kind of like a fast and dirty project. Like I had these tracks and then um, one of my friends that like the one that's kind of spearheading this project and like putting it out. um, He's like part of this group called Drama Hands. And so they're running like a 
record label and just like firing off a bunch of EPs this summer. So um, it came together really quickly. Um, but I do kind of have my sights on making the next full length physical. Okay. So that'll be like around like spring next year, I guess, or around this time next year. Oh, no way. Yeah. Are you already plotting that out as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be like way more proactive as far as even like, I don't know, like writing a grant goes and trying to do this right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, trying to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> writing grants are, is, is always just like a lot of... A lot of fun hitting your head against a wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, good times. Um, but how do you translate? Because it seems like this would be something uh, you release it. So and you and you do it in the way that I love discovering music, where it just seems to be uh, like you've got the visuals and the visuals are already dead on. They seem to be exactly what you want. And, and then you find out that it's because you, you, you yeah. directed the video and then, you know, the music is so singular and you figure out that that's because, you know, you produced it all. And like, um, <laughs> it, what's that like trying to, and, and a lot of electronic artists seem to have problems with this translating that onto the stage. Like, is it, mm. how do you, how do you do that in a way that sort of is, is satisfying in a live setting, but also maintains the integrity of the album or the, the music videos that you put out the, the sort of the concept, the aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I think that's another thing I'm trying to hone in more. Um, I feel like I have like uh, grand visions of what my live performances like will always be. And then like the like date rolls around and I just like don't have like <laughs> anything. I'm like, oh, I guess that projection's not ready. I guess I don't have a projector. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like roll up with like one suitcase because it's also hard when you're traveling alone. And like, oh, I just like can't I can only carry so much. Yeah. So I end up making these like sets with like all these instruments and like just bought this really nice Juno synth but I can't even carry it anywhere so. oh, no. I don't know it's like um in a way I also almost appreciate when I'm on stage and I don't have too many things to like busy myself with because I love roaming around yeah like I just like can't stay in one spot so um if anything I feel like that's just my that's the what a tiger wing performance is like like just kind of like Oh, she's like sitting on the floor and now she's in the corner with her back to us. Like, I don't know. It's like kind of funny and awkward and like hopefully charming at points. <laughs> well, that's good because I, I remember back when I used to perform ambient music live and it was just like me staring at a laptop. And then <laughs> like the, I, I'd pretend to click things once in a while, but really <laughs> once, once that train had left the station... Um, like the only, the only effect I'd really had on their performance was, uh, press and play. And then the rest of it is just like, do I look pretty enough to, to captivate these people? Are these drones long enough to captivate these people for 25 minutes? But like, how do, how do you, so you're wandering around the stage, you're trying to keep it engaging. Are you, I, 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 do you talk to the audience? Do you like, do you have like between show patter? (laughs) Um, it's also probably like. In my head, it's like pretty funny and awkward when I talk to people, like especially if the show's kind of dead. It's like it's almost like I want to come to an agreement that we can all give up and like go home. And so I'm just like, it's kind of self-destructive, I guess. <laughs> but uh, like I had a show 
this past Saturday, which was great. Like the people that were there were like awesome. It was really good vibes, but it's just like when it's a big venue too, and it's kind of an empty room, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> like it was funny. I just like, I was trying to start conversations with people, but I think they were just like, I don't know, like hot and just, like, wanted to, <laughs> wanted to go. <laughs> I don't know. No one wanted to like partake in my awkward conversation. <laughs> From the stage. That was so. Th- I, this will be the last story I share. I promise. But okay. when when I was there's a there's a booking agency around town and it's called Spectronics and they basically mm-hmm. they're sort of responsible for bringing sort of mid level groups in, uh, sort of bridging the gap between Ottawa and say Toronto and Montreal. Mm-hmm. And so they they try and pair up local artists that'll be uh, appropriate for these bigger names coming in. And oh, okay. so uh, I did one with. I did like a an ambient show in front of Diana, Diana. Uh, oh yeah. Which yeah. they yeah they They're were yeah. they they were really cool. They sort of I hear new music is coming, but that's hopefully yeah. It's been a while. I like that. And yeah. the the one guy from Destroyer came up to me afterwards. He said, "Oh, that was okay." And then um, <laughs> Spectronics booked me for another one, and I played a show. It's supposed to be me and then Egyptrix. Oh wow! And that uh, there's somebody in the middle uh, who I think were from Oshawa or something like that. But basically, I had the pleasure of not only being the shitty opener that I hated the year before when Egyptrix came through for uh, the Red Bull Music Academy, but also I played an entire set just for Egyptrix because the other band went out oh. to get shawarma. Oh. <laughs> so there's like there's like That's this guy who's who's like music. I like I had listened to and like I tried to reverse engineer in the crowd. Uh, there was a bartender and there was my dad, and those were the oh, only good. three people. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, well, if if my parents ever like if I let them come to my shows, I'm sure they'd be like the only one standing there at certain points too. It's- <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Like so, you mentioned you just picked up a Juno. What's your What's your, uh, this is where I start to nerd out. What's your, uh, what's your setup like these days? Um, live setup? Uh, recording or setup. Recording setup? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the classic, uh, bedroom studio. I, it's like probably like actually just literally laid out on my bed all the time. Like I wake <laughs> up and I'm just like tangled in cords. Like, um, so yeah, just like have the synth within like arm's reach at the side of my bed uh and everything else just like lives like in my bed um yeah are you more a hard synth or soft synth sort of person wait what does that even mean hard synth like uh physical hardware or soft synth like vsts and stuff um you know i was trying to be more of a hard synth person um and as much as i love the new synth i'm very much like a software person even like (laughs) even like in my art like I'm all about like post (laughs) so yeah yeah definitely all about the software I was reading up the other day that like Brian Eno uh, apparently according to his like Wikipedia page he he came to prominence by being like a really good programmer of the DX7 I was like first of all that doesn't sound right and second of all it sounds like he's just been replaced if that was like his claim to fame he would have been replaced by like a preset bank like years ago Um, and that was that's been my only experience with like once in a while I'll flirt with uh, hardware since but it's just Mm -hmm. like okay I can do this and it's here for like 
you know, the next 20 minutes while I'm jamming with whoever. But then after that, it's yeah. gone and I'm never going to have it back again. And that's yeah. not necessarily what I want. Yeah, you have to really be dedicated if that's what you're after. And like when people do it well, it's like really impressive. But I, I'm not about that really. <laughs> <laughs> and so what like when you're doing... What's uh, on uh, what's your drum programming like? Like, do you, are you do you chomp up samples or are you are you a MIDI sort of clip uh, maker? Like, are you using what is it called uh, the the drum rack? Oh, it's just called drum rack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely more of like a MIDI drum MIDI drum gal, I guess. Um, yeah. I I don't work too much with samples. That's like another new avenue I'm trying to go down, trying to be like more organized with my samples and kind of like, you know, scoop up some more VSTs, some new sounds. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you find yourself resampling your own voice a lot? Cuz it seems like that's something that would lend itself well as at least to this yeah. uh to make the rabbits run. Yeah, I think that's a fun like jumping point to go off of sometimes just like load like my old uh like vocal stems in or something and just like see see what i can do with it yeah 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 i could spend hours just like (laughs) (laughs) sculpting the voice uh what were so okay uh what were the three biggest lessons you learned from make the rabbits run either good or ill that you applied to the new uh black light white white lies white lies <laughs> um well i don't know if i applied this one to this ep but like one lesson that i'm going to just like be more disciplined about is um don't rush things out like i don't know i don't think there's ever like i don't think it's ever necessary to like uh get stuff out like into the public if you're not even like happy with it like I think a lot of that stuff I was just like ah like whatever like get out of my get out of my sight um like those people who post sort of like half finished demos onto YouTube or like uh, SoundCloud (laughs) and it's like oh yeah I did I wasn't singing super in key this day and the beat is still just four bars repeated over and over again but I hope you guys like it people do that I don't know what (laughs) At least I'm not that fat. <laughs> it's a um, yeah, that's weird. Uh, let's see. Another lesson would be um, as far as making like an album goes. Um, I think it would be nice to kind of like come up with something a bit more uh, coherent as a whole, like a bit more consistency, like conceptually and even as far as like the sounds go. Mm-hmm. If that's possible, um, have more of like a more of an overall vision, I guess, which will happen with the next one. <laughs> Knock on wood. What's so- the third lesson? What were you gonna say? I, I you're you're spoiling make the rabbits run a little bit for me now because I was oh, good. No. I'm like, holy smokes! Like this is, I thought that this was something that was laid out, you know. Uh, intro to of course to, it was <laughs> well I mean I feel like uh, everything I do I guess is like imbued with the same uh, 
like aesthetics are the same ideas like it it I guess it all came from me so of course it's like cohesive in that sense but I think it would just be fun to really work on like some sort of concept album yeah um just like have it like start to finish like really like tell some sort of story um so yeah that's I guess that's where I'm going when I say that (laughs) (laughs) do I have to come up with a third lesson oh no don't worry about it uh I'll just edit myself saying two at the beginning uh (laughs) because we can do this because it's not going out live like a terrible radio show um and i guess the last thing that we have to ask all of our guests and if you listen to it you might have uh prepared an answer and that's okay if you did but uh we we ask everybody who comes onto the podcast sort of something that uh, we do it to make sure that we're talking to real artists Mm -hmm. the the goal of the podcast is to only ever have real artists who are important capital r capital a artists Mm -hmm. real artists um and you know, science has worked tirelessly for years and years and years trying to figure out the best way to do that. And it's come up with a very simple test. And that is, um, who do you prefer? Who has had more of an influence on you artistically? Um, Peter Gabriel or Genesis's other frontman, Phil Collins? <laughs> oh, my God. But OK, Phil Collins. <laughs> Uh, hmm. Did you did you want to rethink that one at all? <laughs> oh, what, what if I? Is there a third option? There is not. There are only oh. two people in the world: people like Phil Collins and people like Peter Gabriel. Oh man, no. did I just lose some some fans? Well, yeah, the podcast is canceled now. We'll just uh, oh. shelve this one. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> You'll just go next to all the other uh, old Ableton files. I'll open it up someday and go, oh, no, that wasn't right. And I'll just put it back down. She said Phil Collins. <laughs> I'll spend an hour trying to fix it. And I'll be like, why am I trying to do this? Yeah. <laughs> You'll just like overdub me saying Peter Gabriel. <laughs> Peter Gabriel. Uh, <laughs> Series. <laughs> Stepping in for me. Uh, I don't know. Also, why are they two dudes? <laughs> Because, well, because they were both frontmen of Genesis. So, oh, I mean, okay, yeah, okay. you can say, like, which era of Genesis did you like better? But, I mean, they both had such diverse uh, solo careers as well. One was more art rock and the other one was literally the best-selling sound of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, which you chose. You chose that man. Yeah. The man. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you want to inform the listeners at all as to why why uh, Phil Collins um I don't know I feel like when you said the best-selling sound of the 80s maybe that's also something I really admire (laughs) (laughs) you know there's not much behind it you gave me little to work with (laughs) I gave you Peter Gabriel that's all you should need to work with (laughs) 